Hello guys, good morning. My name is Martha, I'll be your waitress. Would you like to give me your order now? I think we're ready. You know what you want? Actually, Martha, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, what is, if I want something that's like a sandwich, like maybe it's like a hamburger or a BLT or something like that, what is the thing to get here? Uh, the sandwich will be the probably the club sandwich because it's fresh turkey. The burgers... Real, real turkey breast? Real turkey breast. The burgers is hard to tell. I like the avocado, mm. but all the burgers are so good, delicious. If between the burger and the club sandwich, what is if I one thing to get here, which which should I get? I would say the club the club sandwich because you get bacon and tomatoes and lettuce and all that. That sounds great. I'll get a club sandwich, please. All right, and white wheat rice sourdough. Sourdough. Okay, French fries, onion rings, or half and half. French fries. French fries. And do you want separate checks or one check? One check's fine. One check is fine. Okay, thank you. Okay, my friend. I will have now. I'll have the chocolate cream pie. All right. That's that's yummy. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I'll get two more coffee. Alright, cool. Okay. <laughs> we'll check in with you later when you come we don't want to get you in trouble. So let me know if you have to work. Okay, okay. Yeah. That was Martha. Um, here we are again at the Astro mm -hmm. as we are every week. Yep. Recording live, unscripted, unedited. I'm Richard Parks. I'm David Weinberg. Uh, how were your holidays? I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, yeah, it was good. It was good. Uh, What's it like for you when you go home and visit your family? Mm, it's kind of a loaded question. Well, uh, my parents live in the same house that I grew up in, more or less. Like, my move to when I was in seventh grade. So I go visit them, and... We did a long trip there this year because my daughter's off school for like a big chunk of time, and we didn't know what to do. And we tried to, we wanted to get work done, my wife and I. So we're like, well, my grandparents, her phase, my daughter's grandparents can watch her. We can hang out. What type of work were you doing? Oh, working on stories for KCRW, my new show. Um, but it was good. I mean, so sort of like free babysitting. Yeah, yeah, sort of. But, I mean, what is it like as an adult who has lived elsewhere for, I assume, since you were 18 or so? You're like 35, you're 36 now. Um, what's it like going home to the house you grew up in? Are you, like, staying in the room that you grew up in? Yeah, I mean, it's been redecorated. I don't know. I have. I don't want to hear about the decoration. I have a... Oh, thank you. Oh, wow, David's pie is here already. Oh, wait. Yeah, yours no, you... got me right up. Oh, please, okay. dive right in. Looks beautiful. Okay. I mean, I guess my question is, when you're in the house that you grow up in, do you revert at all? I don't know. I have a complicated relationship with where I'm from because I, I feel like a lot of my identity was built around rejecting where I was from because I hated it so much because it's just like a soulless corporate suburb what it feels like you can't walk anywhere when you do get somewhere it's just like a strip mall with a bunch of chain stores and it just feels very soulless and like it has no character um and i hated that i don't think i realized i hated it as much as i did but there was like later as i grew up i realized i was miserable there or not that not i don't know i wasn't miserable i didn't have like a miserable childhood but as i learned more about the world I grew to detest my <laughs> where I'm from more. Do you know what I mean? So this sounds like high school. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, but I love my family. They're great. We're just very different. And it's hard for me to live the way that they do and not say anything. And I don't say anything because I don't want them to feel like I'm judging them. But it's just like a lot of like sitting around, no one doing anything, a lot of television. Right. Like at one point, my mom was like watching Faye and she just put Dr. Phil on. And it was like this like episode about a guy who was clearly mentally unstable, who had like tattoos all over his face and lives in L.A. and carries a full length mirror around him everywhere he goes. And was like either on meth or just like on a psychotic break. And like... My daughter, my three-year-old daughter is, like, playing Legos on the floor while this is on, like, looking back and forth between the Legos, and it's like, should I say, what are you doing? Like, turn this off? I, oh, I don't, so you had a moment of, like, should I tell my mom how to parent my daughter? Right. Because it's not something you would let Faye do normally. No, watch Dr. Phil. Are you kidding me? No. Well, um, sorry, I just when you talk about your family, it, it's your mother, your father, 
And my sister. And your sister? She doesn't live in Colorado anymore. She lives in California, too. But, but everybody's there. in the house over the holidays? Yeah, we're all there. Yeah. Sitting around. I think there's often a kind also, of, like... it was super cold, too, and so... I, so, Aurora, yeah. we're talking about Aurora, Colorado, yeah. and apparently we're talking about a suburb of Aurora, Colorado. Well... Or is it all just kinda. kind of suburban there? Yeah, like, there's parts of Aurora that are more like a city. Yeah. Like, the strip that borders Denver. There's a street called Colfax, which is where my um, dad's shop was. He's a potter. He had a pottery shop, like, right off of Colfax. And that part of town is, like... Also, Aurora's, like, super diverse. In some ways, it's different than a lot of suburbs. It's, like, a super diverse city. I've never really asked you about your family, but I knew that your father was a, a potter, a ceramicist. He's a potter. He doesn't really work much with... So ceramics is a specific kind of clay. My dad doesn't do a lot of work with ceramics. Okay. He grows mostly on a wheel. I drop my fork. Okay. Well, and since I haven't asked you about him, I've kind of like seen some photos of him online, maybe. And... He looks like Gallagher. Oh, really? Yeah, my dad looks like Gallagher. Do you know is Gallagher, the, the comedian? comedian? Yeah. I guess Bald I wouldn't mustache. know what he looks like. I think that he got in a fight with Mark Maron on yeah. WTF and walked out of the room. I remember he that. Did. Yeah, he did. Uh, but I've seen some of your father's pieces uh, in your house. Like he's done some like just zany looking mugs and little pictures I feel like that are on display in your house. Mm -hmm. And I always considered because of who you are, I felt like you were just from this sort of like zany artistic household. But that's um, completely based on only what I know, which is not much. It's funny because like... One of the things I hate about the neighborhood, I don't know, this part of me is like, oh, God, I hope my family never listens to this because I don't want them to think I hate the life they gave me, but, because I don't. But, like, there's sort of, like, a fear or, like, a mistrust or, like, a, it's, like, upsetting to my mother if something is not very normal. Like, if a neighbor paints their house, like, a color that she doesn't think is, like, appropriate, it, like, really bugs her. And it's, like, meanwhile, my dad, and so all the houses, like, look pretty much the same. Right. Are beautiful. Oh, oh wow. my goodness. Oh, wow. That sandwich is I'm glad that, that I brought my appetite fantastic. today. How about it now? It's going to take you all day to eat this sandwich, isn't it? <laughs> You're going to enjoy it, I'm sure. Or at least for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, until next year. That's right. <laughs> How many times have you gotten this sandwich? Oof. I don't know. Probably a thousand times. I don't know. I've been here for so long. that. Well, 37 years. We, we've learned that you've been here for 37 years. And has the sandwich changed at all in that time? Or no. Like... No, no. Same it's the same. Sandwich. Same. Everything the same. I mean, the quality, everything. What do you look for in a good club sandwich? It looks like the turkey's cut nice and thick. What do you look for specifically um, in terms of quality in a club sandwich from the Astro? I think everything is perfect. I mean, the quality, the turkey is perfect. Like you said, just the way they cut the turkey, everything is unique. Yeah, and it's nice that you get, it, it looks like there's, you actually get the turkey breast and roast yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's, it's a real turkey. They, they cook the, bake the turkey in the back and slice it. So Both turkeys or uh, just the breasts? I think it's, no, I think that just the breast because this is breast. Mm. Okay, so no, cool. just a turkey. So enjoy it, sweets. Thank you. Thank you nice talking to you. Yeah. Go on. Um, let's steal a French fry. Uh, so my mom's like really, it annoys her if like a house is like not, I don't know, acceptably bland enough. Meanwhile, my dad took the front door of our house, painted it bright blue, and then made these like crazy spiral clay tiles and put them all over the front door of the house. So we have this like really like normal looking house and this crazy looking door, which is my favorite part of the house. Wow. But it's, so, a, it's just a weird dynamic that my... How did they reconcile at? those two attitudes towards uh, the look of the house? Uh, the look of the neighborhood? I think my mom likes it. I just don't get it. I don't know. I've never really broached... The, like, I have so much fear of my parents thinking I'm judging them that I don't bring up these topics very much. Because I feel like I don't want to seem like some elitist jerk. Where does that come from? I don't know. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think partly it's like it's hard to reject where you're from, you know, without feeling like you're rejecting your family. Do you know what I mean? I do, yeah, but I think that it's an important part of growing up. 
and rejecting to some extent, and then probably retreating from that rejection somewhat is part of a, a common narrative of a lot of people who grow up in towns that they despise and want to leave, and then they end up in a city. But then you, I mean, you still go home and visit. Yeah, like twice a year. Was this sort of a unspoken or a silent rejection, something that was only articulated through your actions, or was it something that um, was there that caused tension? I don't know. I mean, there's just like, how do you parse out the different flavors of tension in an adolescence? Do you know what I mean? There's just like, there's like a rebellion. There's just like, I was kind of a fuck up as a kid. And so I like failed to do a lot of the things that my parents expect me to do, like get decent grades and like get into a good college and all that stuff. So like, I don't know, there was just like, you know, a palette of multicolored tensions in my like adolescence. So, what do you, you know? I don't know. What I, 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 but honestly, I think at that time, I don't think I did. I don't think a lot of it was about me not liking that place because it was all I knew. And at that age, it was like, oh, this is just my life. You know, I hang out in a Taco Bell parking lot on the weekends because there's nothing else to do. That's my life. Go to house parties when you can, you know. <laughs> This is high school, teenage years? Yeah, yeah, high school, teenage years. I mean, I hung out in Taco Bell parking lots. The Taco Bell on Vine Street, I used to go there all the time. I saw Pat Smear there once at four in the morning. Who's Pat Smear? Well, it was a big deal to me because he, uh, I believe that he was a full-fledged member of Nirvana at the time. Uh, really? Kurt Cobain died. Yeah, uh, I mean, he's in the Foo Fighters now. He's been in several iterations of the Foo Fighters, but he was in that band before Nirvana. God, was it called? Scream or Smash or I don't know some punk band that I but it, so I knew who Pat Smear was um, and it was a big deal to see him at four in the morning uh, when I think it was four in the morning and I was in high school and I said hi to him but anyway I grew up in LA yeah, and I hung out in, in a great American city I feel like did you ever have some a people would argue with, with that well, people will argue with everything, but I feel like, how, how are you not going to say that the second largest city in the country is not great? I mean, the city is great. I love L.A., and I, I think that it, it is totally great. But in terms of the sort of, like, um, the experiences that maybe you were yearning for at the yeah. time, I probably yearn for those experiences, too. And also, you just want to leave. You know, yeah. I think wherever you're from, you want to leave. Yeah. Um, and you have to, I think, to ultimately be a person. You know, you gotta yeah. like, you gotta leave where you're from. Yeah. Did, so you, you have, did you have like a? So was the first time you left to go to college, Montreal? I mean, I would say that I left to go to boarding school when I was 14. That that, that really felt like leaving home. It did. Yeah. Um, in every respect, and it was it felt great. Um, but. I only brought it up to kind of like empathize with where you were at, like in high school. Um, I feel like you're maybe giving yourself a little bit of a hard time. What do you mean? About your wanting to leave or, you know, this idea that maybe you said something about how you don't want your parents to feel like you're criticizing or looking down on their lifestyle or their choices or yeah. where they're from. Or I mean, a lot of that just has to do with the way they live now. I feel like they don't have super healthy lives. I think they could stand to eat a little healthier and like get out of the house more and that kind of stuff and I don't want them to feel like I'm judging them when I say those things yeah but do you feel like you had like a big moment in your life where you decided I'm gonna go back to LA not really no it was more like I wanted to move, and um, of course that meant that I was either going to New York or L.A. <laughs> what else is there in this godforsaken <laughs> wasteland of a country other than New York and L.A.? Am I right? That's right. We are a coastal elitist podcast, and if you're 14 minutes into this, you agree with us. Um, I heard somewhere, I think Caitlin must have told me, that um, you grew up Methodist? Oh, yeah, I went to church every Sunday in my life. I was your last name is Weinberg. My dad's Jewish. I'm half and half. Okay. So I, my because your like name a, is Weinberg, I had always assumed that you were from a, yeah, a Jewish heritage. Oh, yeah, I am from a Jewish heritage. Half right. my family's Jewish. Right. But my dad doesn't believe in any of that stuff. 
my grandma caught my dad drinking beer at 14 in a stairwell when he was supposed to be at Hebrew school, and like my dad's like, well, that was the end of my career in Judaism, you know, basically. Meanwhile, my mom is when he was 14. Ver- so was he bar mitzvahed? You know, I don't even know. I'm sure he was bar mitzvahed. I'm sure he was. I haven't even asked him about that. Yeah, he, he just. Uh, he doesn't talk about religion much. But my mom's very religious. Her so father, her my grandfather, was a preacher in the Methodist church. Really? Yeah. I went to church every Sunday. I was heavily involved in youth group, like went on mission trips. But youth group for me was a social thing. I never really bought into any of the theology stuff. It was just like, you know, my youth group friends were the ones that taught me how to smoke pot for the first time and to drink. And we went on these, and I had, I had these like formative experiences like we, at go, Christian camp or whatever? Well, no, going to Mexico and working on an orphanage. Oh, wow. That, like, really sort of, like, opened my eyes to, like, how, you know, to things like wealth disparity and, uh, like, uh, and also just experiencing another culture for the first time, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was all really good for me, I think. And I kind of want that for my daughter, but I don't necessarily need all the dogma. Like, I'd love for there to be, like, a secular youth group where you like do service projects and volunteer time and stuff like that mm-hmm. I mean anyway. there are a lot of great faith communities in LA that yeah we go to the JCC for right. like events and stuff and I like that's so you're leaning back to uh, yeah I feel like if I had to pick a religion the, the OT Judaism. yeah it's just like it's just fun when we go to JCC and like you know like we went for um, Passover was it Passover I was whatever the holiday was recently and like we're like singing Leonard Cohen <laughs> songs you know I mean, we only, as a family, we only celebrated Passover and Hanukkah with my grandparents. Because my grandparents were, they went to temple every week, and I would go to temple with them. And are they Coloradans? Yeah. My grandfather was born in Colorado. I'm a third generation Colorado native. Wow. My grandmother, she was also born in Colorado. They both passed away in their 90s about 10 years ago. So where were their families before, do you know? Um, yeah, Eastern Europe, I think Lithuania, like parts of what was once part of the Russian Empire, I think. My grandmother's father emigrated to Kansas and had like a store like a, in a one-horse town. Mm-hmm. And he was murdered by a robber who like robbed the store and like hit really? him over the head with a hammer, yeah. Yeah. So that, that's she, like, sorry, raised, that's your father's. And then her mom died not long after that. She, my grandma basically like, raised her brothers and sisters. Wow. Uh, when they, they, yeah, they ended up in Colorado after that. Yeah. So your father's mother's father was murdered in the store? Yeah. Wow. In Kansas. What town? I don't know. I don't remember. I saw this exhibit at the. I believe it's the Museum of the Southwest. It was years ago. About, like, Jews in the Old West. Uh-huh. It was pretty interesting. Huh. Um, do you remember any highlights? Well, there's this guy in Kansas. Got hit over the head. I I don't remember many of the highlights, but I mean it's just an untold, you know, mostly untold story. It's not was really. Was his last name Miller? Was was that your great grandfather's name? That was my yeah, I think so, because that was my grandma's maiden name. It's really confusing Miller. when the Jewish people are named Miller and the Methodist people are named Weinberg. <laughs> <laughs> so. Your mother, uh, her faith is important to her. You're going to church all the time, but your father's not going? No. He's going to work. My dad worked a ton. He worked like seven, six, seven days a week all the time. And his trade is handmade pottery. Yeah, mostly on a wheel. He had a few different shops. He had a shop in the... For a long time, he just worked out of the basement. We when you a, say at a shop, it's the place that he works. It's not a retail. It was presence, a gallery was in the front. Oh, really? And uh, studios in the back. Just for his own work, or...? Well... He had a bunch of different places when I was growing up. The one he had the longest was uh, on Santa Fe Drive, which is now the Arch District, which my dad basically started. He was, like, one of the first artists to move down there. My dad speaks Spanish, and so he liked the idea of moving into a Hispanic neighborhood. The rent was cheap, and he could speak Spanish with the local, like, the people around there, which he loved, Mm -hmm. because he got his degree in Spanish and studied in Costa Rica. Oh, wow. So I grew up going there. It was fun, man. It was like this sort of law. Like not, it felt lawless as like a young kid. It was like super dusty and like you'd walk out and be in like. And downtown Denver has this sort of old west feel to it, and it's right on the like edge of downtown Denver. And oh, I'm sorry, this is in Denver. This is in Denver. My Denver. dad's shop was in Denver. Oh, we lived in Aurora. How far is that from Aurora? Like 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and uh, there was this bird store across the street, and one time the Dalai Lama came to buy birds, because I guess the Dalai Lama, like, loves birds. Huh. I almost as, met the Dalai Lama pets? twice in my life. Once <laughs> in Alaska and once in my dad's shop. Um, but you didn't end up seeing him? No, either time. But yeah, I don't know, it was like a cool place to grow up. And then my dad was in this place called the Public Market for a while. It was like an experimental space for like artists and they had a bunch of different shops. It was really fun because they had an arcade and we were like kids that hung out at the arcade and could play games. And, and then my dad bought a building when I was in high school because he got forced out. Huh, what happened there? The rent rose. It became a oh. fashionable arts district. Right. My dad didn't own the building. He was running it. He came for work one day, and there was a for sale sign on the building. And he was furious with the landlord for not, like, at least letting him have a shot at buying it, you know? Right. And so all the other potters, there was, like, six other potters in the space, and they got together and decided to buy the building. My dad didn't want to do that. So right. he bought his own building. So he coincided out of the neighborhood that he helped create? Yeah. Yeah. And then he had, and then it happened again. You know, he moved into a different part of Aurora that was like, kind of not run down, but it wasn't a hip place. And he bought this building and turned it into a, a, stu- a really cool place with studios that he rented out to other artists in the back and a gallery in the front and like a workshop where you could come and learn clay from this woman. And rents went up. No. Yeah. But now my dad owned the building, so he ended up selling it to an Ethiopian church. Really. Yeah. So now there's a church there? Yeah. Wow. And now he, like, rents a space in this coffee shop run by these 20-year-old kids who are, like, super young and hip. And, like, he's, like, three times the age of everyone else there. Yeah. And they're, like, having concerts. And, like, it's funny to see my dad there now, you know? Was there any sense when you were growing up that maybe you would be a potter? No. It wasn't like he had a business that maybe you would take over one day? No. I was so bored by it all. Do you learn how to do it? No. I mean, a little bit. You know, when you're around stuff like that, you just don't you take it for granted. Right. I wish I'd learn more. I mean, I still could, but... So you I can't, should. like, make a bowl? I can't make a bowl. I mean, no, I can't make a bowl. Can you it's funny. throw a... No, I mean, I can't throw on a wheel. I mean, I did a lot of, like, sculpture, messing around with stuff. I played with clay a lot as a kid, but I never learned any right. practical I mean, skills. Right, like, give the scraps to David. I mean, the hardest part about throwing pot on a wheel is you have to get the clay perfectly centered on the wheel. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it wobbles around, and you can't make anything, and I just got frustrated and I never... Never my moved dad, past that. I'm kind of pissed at my dad for not forcing me to, like... like he, I feel like he didn't want to force things on me, which I think is probably a good thing to do because when you force things on your kid they hate them forever right and i don't hate pottery i love it but since he didn't force he didn't, i don't know how to do it <laughs> but that was on me at this point like i'm an adult if i want to learn how to center a piece of clay on a wheel like i could go do that you know so when you're trying to get that piece of clay centered on the wheel and it's not working and you decide to like give up what how old were you oh i don't know young 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 or i remember actually just having this thought that's like, oh, I don't care if it's centered. I'm just going to play with it like this, you know? Right. Like, it was like a game to me and just not... Not having to make anything yeah, of it. just like playing with wet clay and yeah. it's slippery and weird feeling and cool. And, yeah. Yeah. So, it's been about 10 days since we last did this, I think. Yeah. Um, um, which is, this is impressive because this is our fifth one since we started all in one month. Wow. We're going to drop five episodes in the month of December, because this one's going up today. Wow. Yeah. I cannot tell a lie. It's part of the title of the show. But since it's been longer than usual, usually it's every Friday, we're back to our Friday schedule, but we moved that around due to your holiday plans. I feel like you're the kind of guy, when people ask me about you, I'm like, he's just really these crazy things happen to him, and he finds these stories, and he endears himself to all kinds of people, and, and... he gets great stories out of that. That's what you do. So, tell me a story from the last 10 days. <laughs> I don't think I have any great stories from the last 10 days. But I will tell you what I did yesterday, because it's fresh in my mind. Okay. My daughter is out of school, and my wife and I have been creating this schedule where we take turns with her so the other person can work. We either do like half and half days or full days. And so I had her for the full day and I was like, let's go on an adventure. I wanted to make, I wanted to make the salmon tostadas from your cookbook. Oh wow, that was yesterday? We were texting about this, right? 
day before yesterday, sorry. Day before yesterday, okay. So I wanted to make those, and I was like, well, right. I knew there was a fish market in Grand Central where you could get good fish, and I needed sashimi-grade salmon to make the tostadas, and I needed dried chilies, and I know there's that great dried chili lady right, there's at a the market. Right, spices place, yeah. Yeah, and I was like, this is perfect. And I was like, we'll go to the museum, too, because the mocha's right there, and the bro's there. Yeah, I was I'm like, sorry, I was in the office, actually, in Santa Monica. Um, I wanted to join you guys. Yeah, I invited you, um, but you had, yeah, you had to Rain work. Check. But, so I was like, this is great, and we, we'll take the train. Also, we don't have a car. Our car was in the shop, so we were kind of limited to where we could take the train to. So I was like, great, we'll get on, the and Faye loves riding the train. So I was like, we'll ride the train downtown. We will go to a museum. I was like, maybe we can get standby tickets for the Murakami, or the... What's his name? Is it Murakami? The Infinity Mirrors, which I haven't seen yet. Oh, We're yeah. about to yeah. go out. And and we'll go to the Grand Central Market. We'll have lunch. We'll get all these ingredients. We'll come home and like cook this really nice meal. But and, then... But then it's like... <laughs> I feel that coming. Yeah. But then we like get downtown. Everything's fine. And then like the line to get into the Broad is like insanely long and in fact sold out there you can't even go into the broad you can't the broad isn't really like a day and it's like a few days after christmas so it's like everyone's here everyone's in town so i was like well we'll go to mocha i've never once in my life seen a line at mocha like you always can just walk into the mocha line around the block at mocha but then well but then it was like i was like let's just play in this patch of grass next to the broad it's like that really nice big shady patch of grass that courtyard yeah yeah yeah. so faye and i start playing and we're playing ring on the rosie and Running around and she's doing somersaults and then this uh, like other little boy about her age comes over, and we I just like, hung out with her and this little boy like his dad was like on the other end of the field, like texting. He was just like on the phone the whole time. I think he was worked maybe in one of those places or something and was like coming to. And you're like I'm watching your kid, bro. Well, it's like a weird dynamic when you see another kid's parent and you're clearly like playing with them. And I just kind of like smiled, but I didn't go over there or anything. And, and right. we had this sticker book and we were like, it's like a like, doll like a paper doll book but instead of paper dolls it's stickers and you like put the stickers on the people and give them outfits and stuff and we were just like putting animals on their heads and like just being silly like that's my favorite thing to do with Faye because then she just like laughs the boy would laugh hysterically and I was giving him stickers and they were like putting shoes on people's heads and it was like really fun you know and And his dad is just checked out on his phone somewhere yeah just dealing with I think he my, in my mind, I created this narrative that he, like, worked at one of the places and was, like, there to get his check. I don't know if any of this is true. Because like, <laughs> someone kept coming out of this restaurant and talking to him and then going back in. And I was Odium. Like, That's ma- the restaurant right there. Okay, yeah. It's called Odium. And, uh, and then I was like, well, we should, I was getting really hungry. I was like, let's go to Grand Central. And then on the way to Grand Central, you hit the funicular. Right. And I was like, let's Angel's take- Flight. Yeah, so I took Fan the funicular. She loved Which it. recently reopened. Yeah. It's great. And then LA we get to Grand C- Central, and it's fucking madhouse. Yeah, it's often quite jammed in there. Yeah. Insane. And I used to go to Grand Central like all the time for lunch when I worked at Marketplace and it would be dead and there would be like, it was so great and now it's just like a, it was overwhelming and Faye was starting to go hungry and then I started to get overwhelmed and then I was Sorry, like, so the little boy is no longer with you. Yeah, he, yeah, we, he stayed with his dad. I was waiting for the other shoe to drop on that story. No. <laughs> it was just the dad was like pieced out and at yeah, some point like, you were like, we go wait, back to your yeah, dad. Yeah. Um, did you safely return him to his dad, or did no? You I mean, him? he was right there. Okay, cool. And you, uh, you and the dad never spoke. Mm-hmm. Weird. Okay. And um, so it's overwhelming. And I, and I was just like, there was just all these lines to get everything, and I was like, oh, I'll get Faye a rice bowl because there were these two seats at this counter, and I like, start walking over with Faye, and this like mom like swoops in and like takes the seats, and I was like, this is, we gotta get out of here, Faye. Yeah, the holiday. But then madness. we were also hungry, so we just went to the. Carnitas place at the entrance, Mishwakam, which is amazing. Oh, had sure, the great yeah. tacos. Yeah. Got them quick, ate. And then I went to the fish market. They don't sell fish anymore at Grand Central Market. Can't buy fish. Huh. I actually don't know the fish place you're talking about. It was right in the middle. And they sold seafood, and then you What's could get, like, chowder. Now? It's the same place, but they stopped selling fish. You can only get prepared dishes. Okay. It's not a fish market. And then I was just like... Then, then, like, a dark cloud started to set on me, and I was like, I had these plans. I wanted right. to do this thing, and, like, it's not working, you know? Yeah. Like, the bro didn't work out. Yeah. The salmon uh, isn't... And I just ate a ton of salmon. pork, and I was starting to get tired, and it was hot and crowded, <laughs> and it was just like, this is not going well. And then I was like, maybe the line at Mocha's died down, and it hadn't, and then we found another piece of grass and played in that grass for a while. <laughs> and then I was like, we walked to Chinatown, and Faye fell asleep in the stroller. We got home, never got the ingredients, ended up not making any of the food. And I just felt like such a failure. And I just felt like, what a horrible day. Like, what a disaster. And then I started, like, thinking about it more as Faye was, because Faye was, like, telling 
uh, Katya what we had done, and mm-hmm. she was like, it was so fun. Yeah. Like, we played with a sticker book, and we made the whole world crazy, you know? And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, like, it was a great day. Like, everything was fine. <laughs> it was great. So, so we don't make that tostadas tonight. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? I had all this leftover soup that I'd made, so we had dinner, and I was just like, God, Weinberg, like, get it together. Like... <laughs> Wait, so why are you being so hard on yourself about not getting the... I mean, you couldn't get the fish because it wasn't there anymore. What, what I mean, part of that could you have done differently? I'm not a planner. Right. And this is like a theme in my life that like... Causes trouble? Yes, because when you don't plan, you're at the mercy of the universe, and the universe is like a cruel, random mistress, you know? Mm-hmm. And so you end up with this plan to make... Also, I bought fifty dollars worth of bones at Bel Campo, and then I was like, "What, what am I doing?" <laughs> what just? I'm making bone broth. Like it's on the stove right now, which is fine. But all of it just felt like nothing had gone right. Meanwhile, like to Faye, everything was going grand. You know, like she was having. And it a took blast. her actually retelling the the yeah. day in her own voice and her own narrative yeah. to yeah. help you see that. It's a nice thing about kids; like they give you perspective because you're like, "Oh yeah, we had." Short answer, we had a good day. It was fun. You know? And then yesterday, I went to Fish King. You ever been to Fish King in Glendale? No. Plays amazing. Oh, yeah, I've heard about it. I've never been there. Got the greatest sashimi. They had, like, all the ingredients. Wait, in. so why didn't you get the stuff for the salmon tosada then? Thank you, Martha. I did. I got it yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah. Bringing coffee for you and delivering this over there. Oh, this oh, okay. is great. And are you proud of me for the work that I'm doing on this? It's beautiful, yeah, good boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's the first time Martha's been asked that question. Yeah. I... Are you proud of me, Martha? <laughs> <laughs> Will you validate me? It's the holidays. <laughs> She's used to mothering. Yeah, so that was my day yesterday. No, the day before. And, then, and, then, and, then, and then a good friend of ours um, is leaving. She's moving away forever. Uh-huh. And so I wanted to make a nice dinner for her. And so it worked out great. I made the tostadas from your cookbook. How did it turn out? So good. Really? So good. So great. So that, as I recall... I made fried rice. And then all these, like... You ever have, like, beautiful, like, serendipitous kitchen moments? Like, I got this really nice piece of sashimi. But then I saw that the recipe called for skinless salmon. Right. And And you had gotten skin? They just give you a filet with the skin on it. And then I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll cut the skin off. I'll chop it up into little pieces. I'll fry it nice and crispy, and that'll be the garnish for the fried rice. Nice. I also bought these bay shrimp to make the fried rice with. That sounds great. And it was just like, you know, like when you use everything, and like, it was just great. The meal was great. Uh, you know, I had made like a cucumber avocado salad with red onions, fried rice with bay shrimp, and crispy salmon skin on top, and then those tostadas from the cookbook with the homemade, what's the what salsa that comes on those? The guajillo. Well, so I was going to ask, because I don't know anyone who has actually made that recipe. Um, you, it, there's nuts in the salsa, right? Yeah, there's pine nuts and almonds, roasted right. almonds. No, not almonds, uh, cashews. Right. Cashews. Yeah, yeah. I think it's that's two the, different kinds of chilies, chili. guajillo and... Arbol, chili de arbol. I think it's chili del valle, is what we call it, or salsa del valle. No. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. and then um, they made us change. So Wes calls all salsas. He calls them chilies, mm-hmm. uh, chiles, and they made us change all of that to salsa and to normalize. I should have brought you some. Oh, I would love to try it. It's it's super spicy. It's super spicy and super smoky. Cool. But I might. I, I, I you think you toast the nuts. You toast you toast the chilies and the nuts with yeah. garlic and pine nuts together and olive oil. You puree with vinegar. And then you add the roasted almonds separately. Or, I keep saying almonds, cashews. Cashews, right. Yeah, <laughs> there was also this really funny moment when I was making, I was looking at the cookbook, and I was like, for some reason, I'm, I have, I don't know why, but I was like, I think I found a mistake in this cookbook. Because <laughs> I was like, it had, ca- well, it had cashews in the ingredients, but then I didn't see anywhere when the recipe instructions where it said what to do with them, and I was like, Katya, I think I found a mistake in this book. And she walked yes. over, and then like, Three seconds time, she was like, it says put the cashews in the salsa right there. <laughs> but Thank I did you find a to typo. Our copy I did editor. find a typo, though. Oh, you did? What, what is it? There's a, it says bunch instead of brunch in one of the things. Brunch? But anyway. We're talking about brunch in this book? No. No, Wes tells a story about a brunch. And he said bunch About instead. meeting a chef. But I wanted to say that like, I read the cookbook last week from like cover to cover. Oh, you did? And I like, got choked up at the end of it. Yeah. I'm so glad to hear that. Like when, <laughs> Wait, when, at the end. At the end. Well, when Wes is just talking about his plans for opening up the place and like, I don't know. I was just, it was really moving to 
have been to that space when you had the opening for the cookbook party? Yeah, we had a party there. That space is gnarly. Like it is. It was like a no. Like state to and be also a restaurant. to get to the party, which was in the back, you had to enter through uh, this hallway and then kind of go through this. You know, they're gonna demo it, it all. Well, obviously, it, yeah. It's you like... had to kind of like meander and eventually walk through like a narrow narrow passageway through the actual kitchen to get to the back door to where there was this great party. It felt very like speakeasy. Like yeah. it's, it's like you had to be like guided through almost. And and knowing um, that about the space, but yeah. then also having read like the journey of his life and like. You know, like about his mother dying and having been coming from this like blue collar immigrant family and like working his way up in this box factory and like knowing all that and then feeling like I got to witness and like be a part of like this next chapter where he's like gonna make it as a chef and have his own place and then also just the way it made me feel about LA and like the way he was like thanking all his purveyors of food and stuff and it just made me feel like I don't know, like this like really rich sense of community and like love for this place and for like his food and it was just nice yeah yeah he's been through a lot to follow his dreams thank you I'm, I, thank you for thank reading you. it thanks for making it yeah oh of course well, yeah. and then I was like I gotta make all these foods you know have you made it what have you made from it? any of it I mean I tried to make a lot as we were going because I felt like that was important that the recipes work and stuff like that yeah. but I mean I definitely make a lot of there's a, a basically what would be known as like the classic kind of like Taco Bell hard shell taco, yeah. like our version of that. It's sort of like a Mexican-American thing that here in, in L.A., it actually started, I believe, at Tito's, which is this place on the west side that does uh, hard shell tacos. But it's with ground beef with, you know, all the sort of taco seasoning that you can but buy at the supermarket. What I love is that, that he uses water-soaked clothespins to close the tacos, and he fries them with the clothespins. Right, great. yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a good trick. Yeah. I mean, so I've made that one a bunch, because, I mean, it's also, like, there's, like, a crema that's made with, like, creme fraiche and, like, lemon zest and, like, chives, and he uses, like, wild boar meat with, and He's uh, really into wild meat. boar meat, I noticed. Yeah, I mean... He likes what he likes, you know? Wow. But it's fried up with pine nuts, and, you know, there's a really good, like, roasted salsa that goes with it. So I've made that a lot. Um, I've made a lot of sweet potato tacos because we get a CSA, and there are a lot of... We get a lot of yams and sweet potatoes, and that taco, to me, is... It's, like, my favorite taco. Really? Yeah, there's just... You put the corn nuts on it? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Corn nuts, feta, scallions, and that great salsa. I should make those because we have a that lot of That salsa is like the best salsa in the book to me. It's like an almond salsa with roasted red pepper, tomatillos, chili to arbol. Um, Maybe I'll make that tonight. We have friends over and I want to make them dinner. And they wanted Mexican. It's really good because it's, it's, it's an unusual taco. Is the chili to arbol sauce spicy? The, the salsa for the sweet potato taco? We call that the almond salsa in the book. And... It is they spicy. want spicy food. They're, like, yeah, they're, yeah. they're oh, from yeah. Virginia, and they're like, we don't get anything spicy. All of his Mexican. salsas are pretty spicy. Um, the spiciest ones are probably the chili del Valle, which is what you made for the salmon tostada, and the chili marita. Look out for that one. That one gets really spicy. I mean, they're all spicy. I was just thinking, and the raw tomatillo with serranos, and the they're all spicy. Um, but that one is, you have a lot of uh, chili de arbol in that as well, mm. and a lot of garlic. And But it's, it's sort of like a Spanish like romesco sauce mixed with like a taco truck tomatillo sauce yeah. mixed with like an Armenian like roasted red pepper spread it's like and that I mean that's the thing about Wes and his life it's just like his food really very genuinely ties to his life story because it's like who else would tie together like East LA Glendale and Spain in a salsa yeah. that has like almonds and it doesn't make no sense but it, it's so delicious um, and it has this really bright color, and I was obsessed with that salsa, just trying it and retrying it, because when you get it on the truck, it's like, it looks like an orange Starburst color. Wow. It's like this really pops, and I was like, mine always kind of came out, and it was more towards, like, cafe colored or brown, and I was, like, obsessed with getting that color right. So I was testing it, and in fact, I, like, altered the ingredients somewhat in the final version of the book without telling him and then confessed it to him after we sent it off to the press. Whoa. And he was like, yeah, I get that. I just basically like upped the amount of roasted red peppers because it's different when you're doing it in the amounts that he's doing it on the truck right. versus the home. And that was yeah. my job to help him translate all that stuff to the home and write stuff down for the first time. Right. Uh, but yeah, so I've made a bunch of those because I get a lot of sweet potatoes. Um, what else? I've, I've made tons of stuff from that book not many of the tostadas i should make more of the tostadas because i don't usually go get a lot of fresh seafood to make at home uh, like raw yeah preparations yeah seafood's tough yeah to get good stuff 
Yeah. Like in Highland Park, there's not really a place. The cauliflower taco is really good. And we get a lot of cauliflower in our farm box, too. Mm. I highly recommend Caitlin makes that all the time. Huh. Um, I'm so glad that you made it, and thank you for your kind words about the book. We've said it before, but Gorilla Taco is out on 10-Speed Press. Yeah, go get it. Go get yourself a copy. Email me at theastropod at gmail.com, I believe. I think that's our email address. And I will personally autograph your copy. Whoa. How is that? You have to mail you the copy? Of the book, and then you have to mail it back to them? We'll meet up in a third-party location. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's a... You know, it's, so it's funny that you mentioned a mistake in the book, because back when I was uh, the editor of a small newspaper, one of the first things that I did, I mean, it was like a staff of, like, the editorial staff was either me or me and one other person mm. for in a paper that came out three Where times a week in Martinez, California, the second oldest newspaper in California. Wow. Um, Second oldest paper with the youngest editor? The Martinez News Gazette. Yeah, people would ask to come see the new editor. How old were you? And I would come out. I was 25. And I looked like I was 18. Uh, no mustache? Mustache? It was actually pre-mustache. Mo- or maybe the mustache first appeared in this era. Um, like I, need to, I need to look older. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it was that. Pre-grays. Um, but people would come back and be like, you, so where's the editor? Like, <laughs> young man? Um, but, you know, this is a town where people talk about how long they've lived there in decades, you know, and I was completely unwelcome, but, um, you know, I muckraked and I made a name for myself and wrote about the beavers that started, uh, built a dam in the, in the creek downtown. You Lots of, of flooding problems. Your, like, breakout story? That, that was, a, that was, I broke that story. <laughs> I did. It became a human interest story that... Bay Area reporters return to again and again and again. So in Martinez, which is basically an old Sicilian-American fishing village um, that Joe DiMaggio is from Martinez. In fact, the block that the newspaper was on was on the same block as DiMaggio's Diner, uh, still owned by relatives of his. Also the hometown of John Muir. um, And beautiful old Victorian houses. Also, the city uh, with the only McDonald's, it's a Jeopardy's question. What's the only McDonald's that closes at 5 p.m.? It's in Martinez, California. Why does it close at 5 p.m.? Because it's the county seat of Contra Costa County, and basically the downtown would turn into a ghost town every day at 5. Huh. It was one of these towns where the idea of redevelopment is always being deba- debated because they're the old timers and the people who want to like keep Martinez Martinez and then they're people who want to make it like Walnut Creek or San Diego or whatever. And in fact, when I was working there, they had hired uh, the city manager who had made Walnut Creek, Walnut Creek and made Old Town Pasadena, Old Town Pasadena. They wanted to, him to do that to Martinez and he was the highest paid uh, government employee in the state of California who's making $650,000 a year uh, to be the city manager of Martinez, Don Bluebaugh. Uh, and I got his respect. Anyway, when I worked there, uh, there are these things called house ads when you design the newspaper, as I did. Um, for example, it'll say, like, please recycle instead of an advertisement for a local business or whatever. You'll put in a house ad, uh, please recycle this paper, whatever. Um, suicide hotline, you know, things like that. I made a little ad in Quark version 4, um, which nobody probably knows what that is, uh, that said, advertising the coffee with the editor challenge. If you can spot five mistakes on the front page of the newspaper, I will take you out for a coffee. Uh, five? Five. Not just one, like five, five? Well, I mean, when you're doing everything yourself at that pace, yeah, there's always you'll forget to change the date. Wow. You know, which I did, or change the day. Right. At the top of the newspaper, it says, you know, it'll say Friday, December 29th. And tomorrow, it has to say Saturday, December 30th. Or if it's three times a week, you know, there's some math involved, and that can get tricky. And it's late at night, and you're the only one there. Uh Um, And so I decided this would be a good way to, like, meet people and sort of, you know, actually, like, put a face to the new editor. Did you ever get lonely and purposely put five mistakes in the front page just so you know someone I knew there would be five in there no matter what. No. I mean, you know, spelling errors, um, typographical mistakes, whatever. People got pretty loose with it, and I was very generous. You know, people would quibble about commas. How many times do you think you had coffee with people? I don't know. At least a dozen. Maybe more. Maybe I stopped doing it at some point. 
but it was a good way to meet people and find stories too. Wow. So just across from DiMaggio's was the Starbucks, which is where everyone hung out, the city, the county employees. It was a great place to get stories, really. Uh, so I would take people to Starbucks, and they would ask me about me, and I would ask them about them. And, uh, you know, I never lived in Martinez, although I was tempted to. I was living in Oakland, 30 miles away. Um, I'm sure that caused some ire, right? A little bit, yeah. There's a little bit of, like, you ain't from around here. It's like they didn't like the people who lived... Uh, south of the railroad trestle, you know, <laughs> which is where the, the like, newer developments were because it's all this stuff that was kind of Queen Anne-era houses, yeah. the whole downtown area. But then really people lived mostly out in the subdivisions, you know, what sounds like maybe where you grew up, like where it was like a somewhat recent housing development where most of the people lived, but it was all south of the trestle. Um, and so the old timers, you know, the people like the DiMaggio's and the Messina's and all these old Italian families who had been there forever, um, there was a bit of a divide because it was also for a lot of people, you know, something of a transient, you know, like this is going to be our first home and then we'll move to Burlingame and then we'll move to South San Francisco or whatever. Um, at any rate, if you could spot five mistakes in the Gorilla Tacos cookbook, I'll take you out for coffee. In fact, you can come on the show. Well, I've read it, the whole book. I think there's only one. <laughs> I mean, I haven't made all the recipes. That's when you get into like... Somebody told me that I did something wrong with, there was a Spanish phrase in there that I wrote incorrectly, like I added a space between something that it shouldn't have been there. Yeah. Um, so. You hear that, folks? That's two that we know of. And on the back cover, there is a spelling mistake in someone's name. On the back but cover. I, I didn't write that uh, copy. The, that happened at the publisher, and they, they misspelled the uh, chef's <laughs> name. I'm sorry, Walter Mansky. <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts of the book is your acknowledgement from Wes. <laughs> written by you. <laughs> well, so we got through the acknowledgments, and it's like everybody thanks everybody when they write a book or a cookbook. And it's just like, you know, Wes had like two pages of acknowledgments, and he hadn't thanked me. And I was like waiting for it, waiting for it. We were like writing them together. And then he left and I wrote a thank you to myself in his voice <laughs> and credited it to myself uh, and sent it off to the press. I, and then I took a screenshot of it and texted it to him and I think he laughed. Um, yeah, I tried to keep my acknowledgements short and sweet. Thank you, you really read it. You really read it all. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. I meant to bring it with me so I could go grocery shopping from here to get stuff from it, but. I forgot. I can tell you what you need. We can go back to my house and consult the recipe if you want to. All right. So have you been dreaming at all? Oh, yeah. I had a dream last night about this show, about coming today. I rarely have dreams, I remember. And I don't ever have, like, anxiety dreams. It's not something that I have. But I dreamt we were, like, at the diner. It looked different. But it was, but, like, we kept having to move. And we didn't have the right cables, so we couldn't record. And then that we decided to do this segment where you had brought this big orange plastic mixing bowl, and it was called the bowl of thanks, and you were supposed to hold the bowl up to your face and speak into it what you were thankful for. <laughs> and earlier in the dream, I had been flipping through the LA Weekly, and I, there was a big ad for an upcoming comedy festival. And my ex-girlfriend, Diana, who is a comedian, was going to be in the comedy festival. Okay. And so then when it was my turn to hold the bowl, I was saying that I was thankful for the upcoming comedy festival. <laughs> and then I just burst into tears and started sobbing. But I had sunglasses on, and so all the t tears were like... I was able to keep all the tears in my sunglasses so no one would know that I was crying. Why did you want to hide your crying from me? I don't know. I, I was hiding it from everyone. Also, in my dream, there was like, no one else in the restaurant. The restaurant was completely empty. I no even... one else besides us, or was I yeah. there? Uh, parts of it, you were there, and parts of it, you weren't there. I was just like alone. So who are you hiding your tears I from? I don't know. It's a dream. I don't know. Well, you got to tell me what it all means. I don't know. Do you think you're stressed out about this show? No. Do you think that the bowl is like uh, the password that we should have put on the, the episode so that no one could actually hear them? I don't know, man. I don't know. I also I just didn't sleep very well. But I don't know. Do your parents listen to this show? No, they don't know it exists. Why not? I, well, for starters, it would be very complicated to try to explain to them how to listen to it. Like they don't what know a what podcast is. Podcast, yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know. I do feel like if the, if I knew they were listening to it, it would, I would 
think differently about what I say. Especially, but maybe it would oh, maybe it would open up a dialogue and need a much needed dialogue. I don't know. Why don't you send them a link? Maybe I will. Because if you send them a link, they just have to click on it. Right. Do they have iPhones no. or? No. But you could email it to them. They probably have a computer where they check yeah, their yeah. email. My mom's has a. My mom does have a smart. Actually, they both have smartphones. They're just not iPhones. Are they Androids? Yeah. So I don't know how it works with those type of phones, but with iPhones, you can just send them a link. Those type of phones. Those type of phones. <laughs> the unmentionables. The but with an iPhone, you could just send them a link, and they would open the podcast app. And yeah, I mean, I can figure it out. Or tell them know. to open it on their computer. Yeah. yeah. Would you want them to listen to this show? I don't know. I'd be curious what they think. What about your sister? She doesn't know that I do it either. David. But I could tell her about it. She's fine. She would, she might listen. I We're never going to get into triple digit, digit listens if I'm the only one promoting this show to my friends and family. <laughs> I mean, it's on my Instagram profile, the link to the show. What more do you want from me? I mean, how many people are going to look at your Instagram profile and click on the link? Are you ashamed? No. I'm not ashamed. My main worry is that, like, my employer would be like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you can't just be making other podcasts. I don't think they will, but... Well, you can't spend an hour chatting with Part of me thinks it should be edited. And that's something I think about. But we're not going to talk about the show. That's right. I was just wondering if maybe... Maybe you could tell your parents about it, or like some (laughs) of your friends or something. Yeah, I will. So that it's not just my friends and family who are listening. Yeah. I'm also happy to invite them on the show, too. My family is invited on the show. Mom and Dad, you if you can figure out what a podcast is. They're going to be here in February. Oh, really? Or oh. March, yeah. Am I going to meet them? Yeah. I would like to have a party and have all my friends come over and meet my parents. Like, this is my life. Yeah. Do you, are you completely transparent about, like, what your life is like? Do you feel like they know what you do and what you like and yeah, how you like to less. live? More or less. Yeah. I don't have any big, big secrets from them. But it's hard to talk about some things. Sure. I mean, it's just hard to talk about their lives because I don't want to. Well, that's not true. I mean, I don't know. I'm probably just overthinking it. I'm sure we could just have all kinds of conversations if I just. Enough about me. How's your Christmas? <laughs> we have eight minutes. I had a great Christmas. I saw that photo of you and your dad playing music, and I was like, "This is what it's like to have a, like a really." great family you know whole family's like playing music together and you made all this amazing food looks great i mean i guess that that's how you could describe it (laughs) wait you're saying no it is the way you made your life seem on instagram isn't like a (laughs) accurate portrayal of how beautiful and perfect it is we did play uh we played uh a lot of o come o come emmanuel um and then we played a couple things that we've been playing together since i was like 15 uh, but I just have, have been not playing music at all or, like, with my dad for a long time. But broke out the mandolin. I saw that. Did our some of our duets. And this Brazilian samba that we play all the time. I was, uh, when I was in France, when I was, like, I was 17, I, li- I stayed in France for a summer in this town in the south of France where my mother's mother had decided to live after my mother turned 18 my grandmother just like moved to Europe and never came back uh, except at the very end of her life she came back here and, and lived with us for a time uh, in LA but uh, there's this little town called Lumeran and she had lived in a like a farmhouse outside of the village and then it's one of these towns it just looks like a steeple with some like old like Roman era you know it's like when Caesar conquered Gaul or whatever they uh-huh. built these towns um, so she had the little apartment still, and that had stayed in the family because uh, my my mother's um, nephew, actually, but he's more of her generation. I used to call him my cousin uncle because he was like an uncle age, but he was technically my cousin because my mother's sister was so much older than he was. Anyway, he still lived there. He's the captain of a yacht. Uh, wow. He had like moved to France when he was 16 and like rode motorcycles and like you know vintage Porsches, and he like lived very hard. Uh, I think he stole a girlfriend from Jack Nicholson or the other way around. Whoa. I can't, I think it was the other way around actually, but still, uh, yeah, Hank, uh, was still alive, uh, because he's long since dead at this point. But when I was 17, 
he kind of like kept the apartment and they would stay there sometimes, but his wife was German. The yacht was either docked in Nice or in Marseille, or then he started, he started captaining for this guy who I think lived in Dubai or yeah, like he lived, or then he went to Goa. Like he was always all over the place, like having this like fabulous life that it seems like, how do you, it's like, cause he moved to France when he was 16 and started working on boats and like, the yacht was called the Calisma. It was owned by Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor, and it was named for their daughters, Catherine, Elizabeth, and Mary. Wow. Uh, and Did you get I mean, to go on it? I had been on it, yeah. I, when we went to France, when I was like, I was like five the first time I went to France, and I remember visiting him, and I remember drinking carrot juice on the yacht. And I remember how much I loved carrots, and I the carrot juice was way too sweet for me. Uh-huh. This is kind of the same thing with carrot cake. I like took me a long time to get into those really? things. Yeah, uh, but I remember yeah, that, okay, and I remember okay. kind of learning what... But basically, you know, the yacht just required a lot of upkeep and, you know, probably was lightly used throughout I'll the year. I'll go with you. Hey, you guys. Hey. Thank you. Would you like some more coffee? Uh, well, too late for that. <laughs> <laughs> you made that decision for us. Well, you can drink it, and, and I'll put you some more. How about that? Okay, <laughs> we'll see if I get through this cup. Okay, Thank that you. sounds good. Thank you. At any rate, I was in France, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But Hank picked me up, and I had, like, been up, you know, for 30 hours traveling or whatever, and I remember he picked me up in his vintage uh, Mercedes, or was it a Porsche? It was a Porsche, and he was driving so fast on these little European highways, and he was passing people, and he had leukemia by then, uh, and he knew he was going to die, but he was, like, still just, like, lived like crazy. He left me a Rolex in his will. Wow. Yeah, I have a Rolex, thanks to Hank. Um, So that was Hank. And then my mother told me that he left something else to me that uh, she spoke with his widow on Christmas. Uh, they used to come every once in a while for Christmas. Um, and she still, she lives in Germany now, um, where she's from. She said that Hank left something else to me that is, is over there. You don't know what it is? God, I can't remember now. Um, it's not the something. yacht, is it? <laughs> he didn't own it. He was just the captain. Um, and, yeah. like, my mother's family, who, like, had lived in, you know, the South forever, like, had all this great furniture made in, like, the 19th century. And, like, most of that was moved to India when they lived there. And, like, their home was featured in, like, you know, some lifestyle magazine. And it's all this, like, beautiful, you know, antique furniture. I have the wardrobe in my house. Um, just one wardrobe. So I was in France. Oh, yeah. And then I was in, I was in Avignon, which at one point was the seat of the papacy in Europe and it's just this little town you know medieval town or whatever Um, and I was on the the steps of like some great old building it was just like a you know a courtyard in the town where people would meet and I had my mandolin and like me and my friend Thomas who was there with me that summer we used to just like busk and play we would busk for not even for tips we would just like play music and we were like just meeting people and I I, I don't remember how I came upon this guy, but I think that he walked up to me because he saw that I was playing a mandolin and he just sort of pointed at it and he was like, Bandolim. And I was like, yes, it's a mandolin, my friend, my foreign friend. He was from Brazil and he didn't speak any English and I didn't speak any Portuguese. But I, he must have taken my instrument and played the song for me and he started showing me how to play it. And then the next day I went back to his hotel room and he got a sheet of music paper out and wrote the whole thing out uh, in notation. And I took it home with me from that summer, and me and my dad have played it ever since then. Wow. Um, yeah, and it's like this little Brazilian samba. It's a lot of mandolin music in Brazil that's very beautiful. Huh. Um, so we played that. That sounds great. Yep, and we ate stone crab claws from Isla Morada, Florida, Isla Morada, Florida, which we do every year. It's a Parks family tradition going way back. Um, and we had a, a roast and made Yorkshire pudding um, and had broccoli and, uh, and this beautiful gravy that my dad made. I did the roast at my house and then it rested. I did it like slow and low, the lowest possible ovens, uh, oven setting, which was 170 and just put it on a rack and like seasoned it and pierced it and put garlic cloves in it. Left it in there for, I don't know, like four or five hours. It was a small roast because it was just four people. But my dad really wanted to do the traditional um, Christmas dinner. 
and then it rested on the way over to their house and then I like blasted it in the oven at like 550 uh, to basically reverse sear it it turned out really really good nice and then i made a really nice bolognese from it the next day so it was a great christmas <laughs> I, we it's, just are about to hit an hour it's not over yet five golden rings today <laughs> right i feel like uh you asked me a lot about me so i think next week i'm gonna ask you about you bring it on david weinberg stay tuned for episode six thanks for listening everybody live from the astro to sm57s and the truth it's now it's live exclamation point dot 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 from the astro and then the tag is sm58s and the truth and the truth question mark no just in in quotation marks i changed it (laughs) so nobody has to wonder what an sm57s is anymore (laughs) (laughs) i think it's going to be good for us all right all right will you tell your friends about it yeah i'll tell my friends about it okay all right see you next week bye martha bye martha we're signing off No, No, we're just turning off the recording. Pressing stop. Ah, okay. Have a wonderful day.